may be seated. And he is good and faithful, isn't he? Now, if you're here and you've not come to meet Jesus personally, I mean, it, it'll change your life. And we'd love to tell you and share with you how you could know that. For those of you who have not met, my name's Steve. It's my privilege to be the pastor here. And, you know, the first weekend in January every year is an anniversary for Tammy and I. I was actually way back in... Uh, 1995, the first January, first Sunday in January, was called to be the pastor here. And so Tammy and I were talking earlier this week, it's hard to believe, but we just finished 28 years, starting 29. Now here's the thing that a lot of people don't know, they called me when I was 15 years old. So, you know, uh, we've got a long way to go here, so, uh, but it's, uh, it's good, and we're just so glad to, to have you here and have you a part of what God's doing here. And so I think I learned this from my dad. My dad was a longtime pastor, and, and so I just took something that he did. So typically this Sunday, like one of the first Sundays in January, I always do what I kind of call the state of the church address. The things that I feel like God is putting on my heart as we're looking into a new year and kind of reminiscing on what God has done. And so that's what we're going to do today. So this is kind of a family service. If you're a guest, we're delighted to have you. Just make yourself at home, but that's what we're doing. Then next weekend, we're actually going to start a new little, just a three-week series entitled, What in the World is Next? I don't know if you've noticed, but our world is kind of like bizarro crazy right now from what's happened on over in Ukraine to what's happening in China to what's some things that are going on over in Israel did you check out Washington DC last week right Arizona I mean there's a lot of really weird unique stuff that is going on and the Bible is the one place where God tells us some of what is going to come uh, and very exacting prophecies. So that's what we're going to deal with for the next three weeks. And that's going to lead into our new book study. And so if you're new, you, that's the thing you need to know about Desert Springs. That's what we do. We, we do expository Bible preaching. We just finished up the book of Hebrews right before Christmas. And uh, I think we were in it for about a year and a half. And so we're going to jump back into our new book, start of February and we are tackling the book of Revelation where God and if you're not familiar with Revelation you know everything starts in Genesis and uh, everything got screwed up in Genesis and that's the beauty of Revelation because it's not only the bookend of the Bible but it is the bookend of the arc of human history and God now makes everything right and whole and just it's a wonderful book and so we're gonna we're gonna jump into that and so we would just invite you to bring your Bible that's a great thing to have or if you've got the Bible app on your phone uh, to come and to be a part but today kind of our state of the church I'm gonna be in first Peter chapter 1 verse 13. I actually think this probably ought to be kind of come our theme verse this year and hopefully by the time you leave today you'll agree with that. Now as I think back to 2022 um, it, it was just a wonderful year. Just a wonderful year. Now one of the things that we try really hard here is to not 
taught numbers because you know it's kingdom stuff sometimes some church gets so focused on that that's not us but for me at the end of the year I was just thinking back to just some of those things like 2022 in my 28 years we actually saw more people baptized in 2022 than we've seen in in, in any of the other 28 years which is really cool um you know financially it was obviously our best year ever and we've had some really good years these last years um attendance all of those things but i think of ministries i think of uh, our prayer ministry and the development that it took this year and uh, robin's given such great leadership to that thank you but man but we have people here praying on tuesdays we have people up here to pray with you after every service it's it's cool it's uh i think of our discipleship ministry uh, we're getting more people engaged in doing hands-on discipleship and walking new believers through, which is so neat. You think of the toys and more thing that we did there in December where we served 145 families uh, and, and helped them have a, a wonderful Christmas, just trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, I think of what's going on with our young families ministry. If you're not around here on Sunday afternoons, uh, but we got nearly 200 folks that are here, young families, and we're ministering to their kids, but the adults are in connect groups, and, and, and what a cool piece that is. There's just so much, and I could go on and on. So having said that, as I look to 2023, to be honest with you, I am more excited than I've ever been. Just anticipating because one of the things and i'll get to this in a moment but we are actually going to break ground i don't make many guarantees but i guarantee we will do it in 2023 on the impact project we'll talk about that in a moment and i am excited so you might find it a little strange as to this verse and kind of what god has put upon my heart because my word for us this year that the lord is I think just really impressed upon me is that I think 2023 one of the things that we're going to find are some if you want to use the sailing metaphor some rough waters some headwinds and there's three reasons why one is um, one is just simply if if you've walked with Jesus for a while, you know that when you're doing what he wants and you're seeing neat things happen, that's often when the enemy tries to start throwing some wrenches in the gears. And you think about what God has done through us as a community of, of believers these last six years. I mean, we've planted three churches uh, I was just with Michael yesterday at Salt. I think it's two weeks from today is their second anniversary. Do you know that they're averaging about 450 people? And a lot of them they've, they've come, seen, come to see, come to faith in Christ. Kyle over at Mission, they're having their, their best days. Um, we are seeing more people discipled. The ministries take place and community impacted and and my sense is is that just gets the enemy's attention right he doesn't want that to go on and so he starts throwing wrenches in the gears to kind of you know see if you'll turn this to the left turn this to the right i think that's a part of it i i think secondly and this actually may be a part of number one but 
I think what we also all probably see that our culture is turning more and more hostile to our belief system. And they are becoming increasingly intolerant of it. You and I have a reference of truth, right? It's the Word of God. And when we look at the Word of God and we look at a lot of the things going on in our culture, the Word of God speaks to sexuality and that this is how God designed it and this is where it's acceptable and this is where it isn't. The Bible speaks to gender. He made us male and female. Uh, the Bible speaks to marriage. For this cause, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and they become one flesh. The, the Bible speaks to all of this. And so we've got to stand in truth. Now, we have to stand in truth with grace, right? Because God does care for, for, for people who don't see it the same way. So we want to love them, but we cannot affirm what we know not to be true. That's, that, that's hurtful to everybody. And as it becomes more hostile and militant, and, you know, if you pay attention to church things, you see that happening more and more. I think, yeah, I don't know if this will be the year, but it'll happen. And then there's a third thing. And it's a very practical thing. And quite honestly, it is self-induced. We're starting a building project. And uh, actually got word from our contractor. Everything is submitted, hopefully for the final time. Uh, his, his hope is, is that by the end of February or end of March, we'll actually have our permits. We'll begin to break ground. Now, here's the thing about this building project. For the first three months, it is just going to be so much fun because it's all going to be out there. It's like they're building a separate building on the other side of our wall, and we'll get to come every week and see what they've done, and that'll be cool, and it's going to be exciting. And then at that three-month mark, it changes. And now they're going to start attaching it to this building and the rooms and doing the bathrooms. And all of a sudden, half of our building, we're not going to be able to use. So you think about right now, we've got probably close to 100 children that are down here. We have our middle school and adult classes up there. Got a place for them to go right so we have a lot of adult classes probably for six seven months we're going to have to cancel all of our adult classes because we got to move the kids over here so they have a place to meet if you ever come on tuesday morning it's fun here on tuesday morning there's 400 and some odd people on this campus we have a ladies bible study here and we have a precept study up there and we have a men's bible study up there and a hundred and some odd kids guess what they can't all be here. We don't. We're not going to have the room. And so that's going to, we're going to have to stagger. We're going to have to figure this out. Some of you, you know who you are. I'm not going to call you out. But when you get up to go to the bathroom halfway during my sermon, uh, you now are going to have to actually go upstairs because this one's going to be worked on, right? To, to, to begin with. And so it, it's just, it's going to create a lot of. Of things that we're not used to pushing us out and and i just know that on the one hand human nature is those things become irritable or new people come in and what well, there's not space for us because oh by the way you all in particular 
I don't know how many of you, but you guys are the ones that get stuck parking in the grass mostly. The grass goes away after three months too because now they start putting the infrastructure in and getting ready to put, so Hale Irwin Boulevard, get, get familiar with it, right? It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But here's the thing, and I guess this is what gets me so excited is I just, I know that in those moments, God in his grace, his faithfulness we just sang about is so good that sometimes stretches be, beyond the little boxes that we put of how we do things and how we minister. And, and God just uses those difficult times to tear some of those down, give us new ideas. I, I truly believe 2023 is going to be the greatest year that we've ever had as a church. But I do think there's going to be some rough waters. And so in that, God took my mind to this verse because he's writing to believers who are going through immense persecution. Uh, 1 Peter was probably written a little bit before the book of Hebrews. Uh, so you're in that time period of Nero. Remember Nero. During that time period, through some of the Roman world, people wouldn't buy or sell from Christians because they were Christians. This is when they would... Uh, take Christians into the, into the arenas and put animal skins over them and let the wild dogs on them for the, for the entertainment of those that were in attendance. This is during the time when Nero in Rome would take Christians, roll them in pitch or tar, set them afire to light it and to heat his gardens. They're facing persecution. And so Peter writes this book to encourage them. And the first 12 verses here are just, they're very passive. They're very pastoral. He talks about their salvation. He talks about their hope in Jesus. He talks about how much they are loved and how much they're cared for and all this. But the book actually changes distinctly starting with verse 13. And now it begins to become very directive imperatives first 12 verses there are none starting here through the rest of the book i think there's 50 imperatives this is how you live in that environment this is how you live jesus this is how you do this well how you live with grace and truth and so i want to look at verse 13 with these three first three imperatives that he gives therefore prepare your minds for action keep sober in spirit fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The first thing he says is to prepare your mind. Now, why would he start there? The reason he would start there is that ultimately, the biggest battlefield that you and I face as Christians with that enemy that we talked about is here. It's not out here. It's not in persecution. It's not in, you know, flat tires and things going wrong and equipment failing. No, 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 no. The biggest battlefield is for our mind. Because if he can get us to think lies, he can turn us from following Christ. I mean, go back to the garden. Satan shows up with Adam and Eve. He didn't show up with... A bully club and say hey you you eat of that tree or i'm gonna knock you senseless wasn't the attack not how he went after them it was hey tree looks pretty good huh did god really tell you not to eat of that tree ah you won't die he just knows that if you eat of that tree you're gonna become like him he's kind of holding out on you see it's a battle for the mind a battle for truth. That's why 
to me, one of the most important verses in the New Testament is written by Paul to the church at Corinth who lives in such a pagan culture and he's calling them to live in holiness. But he, his, his word here in chapter 10 is we're destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Right? Because this is where the devil attacks. It's the lies. It's the, it's the does God really love you? Does, is God really faithful? Is, is that spouse the one who's really going to make you happy? And he begins to question. And when we listen to the lies and we entertain the lies, that's when he begins to change our heart. He brings fear. He brings anxiety. He brings discontent. We're to take every thought captive and to lay it down next to the word of God. Is this truth? I have fear. Why do I have fear? God's not a, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. What is it that I'm believing that is not true? And we lay it down next to the word of God. And that's his whole point. Prepare your mind for action. We're in the battle here. You know, there's, there's a lot of bad theology out there and part of that is is that you know we're here just getting ready for heaven right god's preparing us fitting us for being over there some old songs used to talk about we're in the boot camp here you know for for jesus uh maybe a good song terrible theology today right now we're in the battle today we are in the war Today is our, our opportunity. And so that's why he says, man, you, you've got to understand that. And the word that he uses here to prepare is literally translated to gird up. So did you gird up today? What did it mean to gird up? Well, see, in their culture, that Asian culture, they wore long flowing robes. But when they needed to run or they needed to work, or they needed to fight, they would pull up that long flowing robe and stick it in their belt. So this way they didn't trip. This way didn't catch on something. This way the enemy couldn't grab them and trip them up. Gird up. Gird up your mind for action. I think that's what Paul has in mind in Romans chapter 12 when he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. It's a battle for the mind. And so Paul, Peter starts here with this thing that you've got to prepare your mind. So the question is, how do you do that? You prepare your mind through the word of God. This is it. This is what God wants us to know. This is his truth. So we've got to read his word. We've got to study his word. We've got to meditate upon his word. We've got to memorize his word. We've got to actually be a doer of the word and not just merely a hearer. It's his word where we find truth and where we learn to stand firm. You know, it's sad uh, because today in America... You know, with our Bible apps, with our printing presses, we got more access to the Bible than any generation has ever had. And yet, biblically, man. George Barna, who's a Christian researcher, did a study last year. 
and he, he questioned people, general public, but he also questioned evangelical Christians. And if you're not familiar with that phrase, that's pretty much what we are. We're Bible-believing, Jesus is the Son of God, he's the way of salvation. But there were two that kind of caught my eye that I thought, man, we don't understand truth. We don't think biblically. The first question is this. Do you believe that God accepts worship of all religions? So think Islam, Buddhism, whatever religion you want to put out there. Statistically, 58% of evangelical Christians either somewhat agreed or strongly agreed with that statement. Now, folks, what did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, the life. No one, no one, no one comes to the Father except by me. Another question. And maybe this was a little bit of a trick. Maybe they weren't reading. I don't know. But the question is, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Don't have my glasses on. 61% either somewhat or strongly believe that. Now let me ask you, did God create Jesus? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is not created. He is the eternal God. That's why he is faithful all the time. See, this all ties together. We have got to stand in truth. Prepare your minds for action. That's why when Paul starts talking about this warfare, the spiritual warfare that's going on in Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. His first thing is stand firm, therefore having girded your loins with truth. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. What he's saying is, listen, folk, we've got to be disciplined in our thinking. We've got to take everything. And there's two parts to that. We, number one, we've got to take every thought captive. Right? What are, what are we dwelling on? What are we thinking? Whether it comes from our culture or whether it comes from our life, is it true? We lay it down next to the Word of God. But here's the other part, I think is that we've got to learn to think on that which is good and right and pure. Paul in Philippians 4 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. I don't know what it is about human nature, but why is it that we always jump to the worst conclusions? In the absence of knowledge, we hear about something and, and we just, we ascribe all kinds of motives. I mean, it is our culture. I mean, again, I, man, for those of you that don't care about politics, thanks Jesus that you don't have that. I, I like it, it fascinates me. But this week of what happened in Washington was absolutely insane to watch because you have all these people 
on the same team who have all worked together and now over a decision that they disagreed on, I mean, they're calling each other everything under the sun and ascribing their motives to being terrible. And, they're just, and it's just like, but the thing is, folks, that's exactly what even happens in the church. <laughs> you, you guys were around. I did a preemptive strike, right? We had Christmas... We had Christmas fell on a Sunday. We weren't going to have church, and I explained it. And I, you know, I, I led it by, hey, we're going liberal, right? It was a preemptive strike. You know why? Because there was another time when that happened, and that's what I was accused of. Steve, think I'm probably one of the most conservative theologians you've ever met. But people didn't understand Somebody didn't understand. They make accusations. It's not how we're to be as Christians. We're to love one another. We're to think the best of one another. We're, we're to encourage one another. We're to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, right? This is part of that, that discipline of the mind. Don't let our mind go to the worst case. Think the worst of people. Let's think the best. If they prove us wrong, they prove us wrong. Prepare your minds for action. Second thing he says is keep sober in spirit. The idea there is to be alert, to be discerning. We're in the midst of the battle here, right? That idea, the opposite of being sober is what? Being intoxicated. Whether it's alcohol, drugs, you're under the influence of something. You're not thinking right. I mean, have you ever tried to argue common sense to somebody who's really drunk? It is a waste of energy. You really shouldn't be driving. No, I'm in control, right? And they can't even walk a straight line. It's just, it's, it's, it's frustrating. They don't see. That's his point here. Be alert, be sober, be discerning. In fact, he, he comes and uses the same exact phrase in chapter five, probably a verse you're familiar with. He says, be sober of spirit. There it is again. Be on the alert for your adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour we're in the midst of the battle here. We don't have the luxury of just being passive. We don't have the luxury of just saying, hey, you know, let's just have a good time and go merrily on our way. No, we got to be sober. We got to understand we're in the midst of the battle. There's an enemy out there. We're living for a day. Jesus is coming back, right? Be sober, be diligent. Do you remember what Jesus told his disciples that first time? He sent them out two by two. He gathered them together and he says this, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now right there, you talk about a pep talk. Because it's, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves and yeah, you're the sheep. That doesn't sound like fun. But his admonition was this, be shrewd. Shrewd as serpents. Be alert. Be discerning. And innocent as dust. See, that's that truth and grace. How we do that. Now, how do we walk sober in spirit? Well, the best way that we, we walk sober in spirit is that we guard ourselves from sin. Because sin, sin is the thing that creates the lie. Sin is the thing in our life that creates the deception. It creates the false realities. 
And so sadly, what, what often as Christians we think is that, well, okay, we're not going to do any of the really big bad things, but there's this little thing over here and nobody will ever know. And it's never going to hurt anybody and it, it doesn't affect anything else, but it's just like yeast in, in, in flour. It grows. It, it causes you to, to think differently. My dad used to call it the intoxication of sin. And I can't tell you how many times it seemed like year after year on this very Sunday, one of the things that he would say is that there's somebody here today who a year from now, you're not going to be walking with Jesus. And everybody goes, no, not me. And he says, there's somebody here, your marriage is going to be blown up. Everybody's going, no, not me. And they actually thought that. The problem was, they're letting little sin in their life, right? And it's going to grow, and it's going to mushroom. And sure enough, by the end of the year, it happened every year. I could, you could remember that, and you think, man, they've left their family. They've blown up their family. They're not walking with Jesus. And in all my years, I have never seen somebody fully walking with Jesus who got up one day and says, you know what? I'm going to screw this all up. I'm going to blow up my marriage I'm going to turn away from Jesus. I've never seen it happen. Because it doesn't happen that way. How it happens, a little bit at a time, we begin to tolerate this little sin. And then it kind of goes there. And then it kind of goes there. And it starts warping our thinking. And we're, we're now not taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And now we're becoming dissatisfied. And now we think there's something else. And man the best way to be sober in spirit is to walk in holiness to follow Jesus with all your heart and folks here's the thing too it's not just sins of the body but it's also sins of the mind because let's let's be honest today you know we're family meeting right we're, we're being honest but let's be honest one of the things that we as Christians have a real problem with is that we, we will reject the sins of the body because that's our culture man they're out there living in adultery and they're living together and they're doing homosexual things and they're doing this and they're doing that and, and yet we never look at our because we would never do those things we'd never kill we'd never cheat but we got a judgmental condemning spirit We got hate. I mean, to be fair, some of the most mean-spirited, crotchety people I've known are believers. And they're mad at everybody else because of what they do. But they're allowing, they're allowing sin in their life because it, it's, they're not out there actively doing this but it's their, their spirit remember what paul says in ephesians let all bitterness that's not a it's not out there that's in here wrath anger where's that it's in here clamor slander be put away along with all malice and be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving each other just as god in christ has forgiven you folks we've got to walk with you that's how you stay sober in spirit you walk with jesus as closely as you can and when there's things that he brings to your mind man you you we walk in a spirit of repentance and you confess it and you move on be sober in spirit the third thing he says and i've I got to be done is fix your hope Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
fix your hope. Folk, of all the people in the world, we ought to be people of hope. Amen? You all with me? All right. People of hope. I mean, we've got Jesus. Our sins are forgiven. We're looking for a day that we're going to be with him, a new body that's never going to need to go on a diet again. You can eat all the cheese you want. I didn't get the cheese thing, by the way, but... Uh, <laughs> We're going to rule and reign with Christ. We're going to get reunited with loved ones who have gone on. Man, we are people of hope. That's what we're called to. But his point very specifically is fix your hope specifically on Jesus and his return. One of these days, Jesus is coming back. I mean, it's the same identical thing that the author of Hebrews told us again and again and again. But he even takes it a little step farther. We are to fix our hope completely. Our hope is not in Washington. Our hope is not the people that we try to vote in. Our hope is not in the judicial system. Our hope is not in our money. Our hope is in Jesus. And he knows right where we are and we're going to stand. This world is not our home. And so we prepare our minds for the battle. We live sober in spirit living for that day that we get to stand before Jesus and hopefully hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I couldn't help. My mind just kept running back because we've, we've been in Hebrews so long and it says the same identical thing, but Hebrews chapter 12. Fixing our eyes where? Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him, right? He was looking for that day too endured the cross despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against yourself so that so that you don't grow weary you don't lose heart you don't drift you don't turn to the left turn to the right you fix your eyes on Jesus and that day when he returns for us and we stand before him and we live for that day because we know on that day it will be worth it all. And that's how we press on. That's how we go. I don't care how calm or turbulent the waters are. You stay focused on that day. 